Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We are recapping a Falcons preseason loss to the New York Jets, but it was a loss with a lot of good silver linings. And joining me to do that today is Alan Sturk, who's a writer at the Falcolic and was at the game in person. So his insights will be definitely welcome and unique um, from seeing it all take place live in New York. So that'll be a lot of fun. But I really do think, you know, the standout parts of the game were clearly the quarterback play. And while I think Marcus Mariota should rightfully be the starter and will be the starter uh, for the season, Desmond Ritter, man, he looks really, really good. He looks far and away better than I thought he would um, at this point in the preseason. His throwing has been really, really sharp. We've not seen the inconsistency accuracy-wise that plagued him um, throughout his college career. Definitely, we've seen the command and the poise that we did see throughout his college career, so he's carried over the best parts of him. He looks like he has a firm grasp on the offense. When he knows where he wants to go with the ball, he doesn't hesitate, and I think we saw some examples in the game where he has resiliency. He bounced back from some penalties. He obviously bounced back from that interception that wasn't an interception in the first game, Um, and he can really kind of recover and learn from his mistakes. There was that one throw where... He didn't put enough air underneath the ball. It got batted down. Kind of the next time they went to it, he got a little more loft. It cleared the linebacker um, and everything worked out for him. So I really think that it was a strong, solid performance for Desmond Ritter. That doesn't mean that Marcus Mariota should you know, lose the starting job or all of a sudden be back in a competition. I just think it means that the Falcons absolutely deserve to give Desmond Ritter some look uh, you know, at some point this season, I really do. I think that, you know, he's shown enough so far right now to warrant at least a look against actual ones in a real meaningful game at some point this season. And even if Marcus Mariota is having a good year, it's kind of Desmond Ritter has done everything he's needed to. And I think a little bit more. So yeah, I think that Marcus Mariota should be the starter to open the year. I think he will be the starter. But again, we have no idea how long that leash is. I am more excited now than I was before training camp started to see what Desmond Ritter can do in a real-life NFL game because he has surprised the hell out of me and impressed the hell out of me so far this preseason. But let's get to more thoughts and reactions from Monday night's game with Alan Sterk right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Winner Live Tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, 
to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I'm joined now by Alan Sterk, writer at the Falcoholic, who was at Monday night's Jets-Falcons preseason game and is here to uh, help me break it all down. Alan, how you doing, man? Oh, it was a long night, but that's how it goes with primetime games. And you have to savor these Falcon games at night because we don't get a lot of them these days. So uh, it was a fun experience, and it was great to see. I really felt it was like it really is a new era. Like, it's really dawning on me. Like, this is a total new era. <laughs> I hope the press box was, was covered, right? And you oh, did yeah. not get rained on. No, I did, I did not get rained on, thankfully. Uh, I did see a lot of people dancing to YMCA as it was raining. Just, you know, Jeff fans are a different breed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say I don't know if if a ton of Falcons fans would just be openly dancing to YMCA yeah. uh, in in the rain. That's it's not necessarily our speed down here. But yeah, <laughs> season two. It's eleven o'clock on Monday night. I guess you gotta live up the summer. But I would just like, what's my train gonna be like? I gotta get these interviews in. Like, oh man, I don't know what these people are doing. But uh, that was cool to be back in there. And yeah, just. Once you see the Falcons like roster now, it's just there's just so many new players. Like you just really have to take it all in. It's like, okay. It, it really so, is. It's it's crazy having been at um, you know, training camp practices and I'm gonna be up there for joint practices uh, against Jacksonville on Wednesday. Nice. But yeah, you gotta have the roster right next to you at all times because you know, I look over and I see thirty seven and to me that's Ricardo Allen. Yeah, and I'm like gross. All right, who's who's 37 now or 22s, Keanu Neal, 21, even, you know, 21 still Desmond Trufant to me, but it's it's like all of these these different guys, it's insane. I will say though 37, D Alford, he's making a name for himself. He's He is. Yeah. He is. Um, but let's start with maybe the the two guys who are making the biggest name for themselves, and that's Marcus Mariota and and Desmond Ritter. Both had great nights. Um, I, I thought um, I'll bet you had even better kind of perspective of just how crisp and decisive Desmond Ritter was, just how, you know, kind of in command of the offense that Marcus Mariota was. What really stood out to you? Let's start with, I guess, Marcus and, and the starters about his couple of drives there. I think one of the biggest things with Mario now is just how composed he is when it comes to handling pressure. Because even though the Falcons all line, they played relatively well, there's a few moments where the puck was collapsing. And I think one of the biggest knocks on Mariota going back to his days in Tennessee is just he took a lot of sacks. He just didn't handle pressure well. So far, this preseason between the Lions game and now the Jets game, like every time the puck seems to be collapsing, he's making the right decisions, even if it's a throwaway. It's just the big thing with Mario is just as long as he protects the ball, doesn't take those sacks that are unnecessary, I think it will be hugely beneficial for the Falcons offense. And you know, of course the touchdown pass was impressive. But I just like the composure he had when handling pressure because I know that was a big knock on him. He was the franchise quarterback in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean that was that was definitely the thing that I wanted to see coming out of the first preseason game going into this one was all right, yeah, we know you can run the ball. Like, that was a never never anything that anybody had a doubt about here. It's can you move the ball with your arm? you know, consistently. And I thought, yeah, you know, you you have a 52 yard chunk play in there. Like that's going to make things easier, but consistently time. And again, I thought that he bit some passes into some tight windows. He looked decisive. I think, yeah, he, he was under pressure at times, but I thought the offensive line by and large did a pretty good job developing or allowing some of these longer routes to develop um, and, and giving him the time back there to do that. And 
For the most part, they did that with Desmond Ritter as well. Although I would say that, again, for the second straight game, it feels like Desmond Ritter looks... It, I, I'm, maybe you can help me figure this out. I'm struggling to f- interpret this as either he's not as in command of the offense and this is his first read and he's hitting that back foot and he's going and just firing the ball to the first read if he's open. Or he does have a great grasp of the offense and just knows where to go with the ball before the snap because he's kind of reading the defense. He knows the different options that he has at his disposal. Were you able to get a read from Desmond Ritter on if it's one or the other? Was he was he staring down his number one read and firing the ball in there? Or was it progressing? Uh, I want to say a mixture of both because there were instances, like particularly, I know it was tip, but there could have it could have easily been an interception where he was just staring down. He was Birdhard, the who he has a great yeah. report, by the way. But there was one play where you could just tell he was staring down his first read. And it was like that bit. But the thing was, the Jets just couldn't cover those deep crossers. Like, they, they, like it was just easy no. chunk plays. And, and I think we just didn't get enough instances where Ritter had to go past his first read. So I don't want to be too hard on him staring down the first read because I think there were times where it's just like, all right, the player's going to be open, hit that. you know, And you want to see a decisiveness that everyone's talking about. But, you know, of course, save time as as he's going to get those regular season reps at some point. You want to see him evolve because, they, you know, Kyle Pitch, Drake London, they're going to be covered. So it's like, all right, can you now <laughs> hit a Cordell Patterson or Tyler Algier or maybe Brian Edwards? So I think that's just more for future. I, it's just we as much as he's played so far, I think just the play calling has been kind of formulaic. Like he hasn't really been pressed to do too much. Like we've seen so many bootlegs, so much play action. So. I think time will tell with that, but you know, if I had a one Christmas for that, that like particularly the near interception, yeah, he's he was staring down for Arbrio, clearly. Yeah, I mean, but as you said, it's kind of hard not to. He was playing out of his mind last yeah. night, um, and and I I do think, and I give Arthur Smith a lot of credit. I thought he pl- he called a great game. Now, granted, it's preseason; it's not like the Jets run a very multiplicative defense, right? It's pretty cover one, cover three, like Dan Quinn and and that Seattle uh, formula. So you know what to expect. And they obviously knew how to attack it with some of those deep crossers and everything like that. I I think that the quarterbacks did a great job of executing the game plan. Uh, Again, I don't want to make too, too much of it because it is the Lions and the Jets that they've played. It's not like they're out here doing this against, you know, week two against the Rams. If the offense looks efficient, put up, you know, 27 points against the Rams, like I'll, feel pretty solid about this, what this unit can at least be throughout the course of the season. Right now, I don't know if I'm there. But let's flip over to the other side of the ball. The defense, I thought, played a much better game. At least the starters and maybe the second string guys played a much better game than they did in week one. Um, Really couldn't let the Jets get any type of momentum going on offense. Again, big caveat there is that the Jets didn't really have a lot of their starters. Yeah. They did have some of their receivers out there, but Mike White running the show. What were your big picture kind of takeaways from the defense? The secondary, just they were making a lot of they're, plays on the ball. They're good. But yeah, obviously, D. Offer, we, we mentioned before, it just seemed like they're always around the ball, whether it be the corners or the safeties. Like it was just a very composed effort. Um, I wish there was a little bit more with the D line, but I think Dean Pease did a nice job mixing up with the pressures. You know, Ogundeji had uh, one in particular. Like, uh, I think he, like, twisted inside. And look, when it comes to – I know people were criticizing rough in the p- pass the penalty. 
I think we've watched football long enough now where if you're going to go after a quarterback's ankles after he throws the ball away, they're going to call it. So I'm just accustomed to be like, all right, it's going to be a penalty. It's soft, but that's just how it is. But the defense whole, um, I think the interior line where the, with Graham, Dalton, they're starting to make their mark. And I'm still kind of – I have trepidation uh, them going to the regular season game against the Saints as a rotation. I still feel like they should sign a veteran. But you have to take these encouraging signs. Like I think Graham – has had a couple of nice rushes. Dalton has shined in trade kips. So we need to see more of detail, especially now Marlon Davidson. We don't know his stats going into the season. So at least you're seeing some of these young D tackles making a mark because look, the defensive line, as we know, is a work in progress. No, it definitely is a, a huge work in progress still. And I, I think that, again, the pressure that the Falcons are going to be able to generate this season is not going to come purely from their defensive line or purely from their edge rush group. It's it's really going to be, I think, Dean Pease getting as creative as he can with some of these blitzes, with just the different looks, who he's sending at, at certain times. And I don't think we're going to see a ton of that in the preseason. So right. it's going to be a little bit of a wait and see thing when it comes to probably our evaluation of the defensive line, a little bit like the running backs, although you get a better sense of that in the in the regular season. But if you believe that it takes some carries for a running back to really get in a rhythm or things like that. You're not going to get a lot of that in the preseason. So when it comes to the defensive line specifically, it's more about like a player by player basis for me. And I like what I've seen with some of the younger guys, Taquan Graham, uh, I thought has had a good couple of, of preseason games here. Uh, Arnold Ebicady has at times oh. flashed. Uh, Adeo Gendeji, I thought had a couple of really oh. good plays yesterday and that's encouraging to see. I, I continue to think that he's going to be um, a little bit underrated in terms of his impact for the defense, but I do think he will have a good impact on this defense. Um, and then Grady, I know Grady didn't do a ton in the game, but by all accounts and reports like at joint practices, he looked like Grady Jarrett against the Jets. So I'm not too worried about that there. Um, what, what kind of rotation do you think the Falcons are looking at here on the defensive line because that is the part of this that is fascinating to me. You've got some young guys like Jalen Dalton, Nick Thurman, um, you know, Derek Tangelo, these guys who are kind of fighting for the last couple of rotational spots. Were there any of those guys that really stood out to you on, on Monday night? Definitely Dalton. Dalton had a couple of pressures and uh, I thought the run defense in general, like he always seemed to be in the thick of it. Like, mm-hmm. like whether he was taking on double teams. Like I know Anthony Rush is probably going to be the central figure who showed promise, although I'm not sure what's going to be like him playing 30, 35 snaps. That might be too much, but obviously time mm-hmm. would tell. But uh, Dalton is someone just repeatedly mentioned uh, in training camp. So I was, I was, I had my eye on it and like, it just seemed like between him and Ogundeji, like they were at the forefront when it came to stopping the run and like or Dalton and how he takes those double teams. Cause I don't know. I think does it, where do you think he profiles more as like a three tech or a one tech? To me, he looks maybe a little bit more like a one tech. I I think that's about right. And also just given He's the fact there. that the Falcons, the Falcons aren't the biggest defensive line in the world, like him being bigger among them probably means he's more suited to a one technique, but an athletic one. Yeah, like Rush is obviously massive. But besides that, no one else really fits that profile. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's probably where where he fits best, but let's, let's stay right on the theme of kind of camp battles. I think, you know, center is a big one. I mentioned kind of wide receiver. Uh, and maybe this is where we have a Jared Bernhardt conversation about like his status, um, running back. 
really anywhere maybe outside of the secondary um, and tight end, possibly. Although Michael Pruitt is is making a strong case. But where do you want to start with the roster battles? Ah, uh, see, I wish we got more clarity with linebacker because that's the one I'm. I, I don't know what is going on with that because, like, yeah, you know, I like the biggest fans of me is just Rashawn Evans is just massive and like he's just big. Like, and I'm curious about that because the Falcons have so many in the past athletic linebacker. So just seeing this old school thumper is cool. I know he has his limitations, but you know, I'm curious <laughs> to see, like, how they're going to rotate those linebackers around. Cause I think Michael Walker should, uh, absolutely. If he's not a three down linebacker, he should be like, you know, the centerpiece of what the linebackers are doing, because I thought the last year he's shown promise and I think he deserves that extended look. But after that, uh, oof, I don't know what to expect. Like these, the linebacker situation is very murky. Yeah, it, it really is. And and even some of the other guys like, you know, Troy Anderson was in there and, and kind of getting his first action of the preseason. But I don't think he had like the greatest game in the world. Oh, um, that's a yard play. He took a bad angle, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. That was, it was tough. Um, yep. and, and then you've got guys like Dorian Etheridge, who continues to have a, a really good preseason. Uh, Nate Lamman is kind of making things frisky it, like Nick Kwiatkowski. I don't have a feel for what he's been doing because he's been kind of hurt and dinged up. And when he's been in there, he hasn't really been making some of these splash plays. So I agree like linebacker is something that is still very much in the air. And then you've got the whole Deion Jones situation when he, you know, supposedly eventually comes back. That's still a, a wait and see. So yeah, linebacker could be on the defense, like one of these revolving dramas uh, week to week. It's just going to be one of these, uh, you know, who's up, who's feeling good that week, who's been playing well recently. Um, and it'll be fun to watch. But what about the what about the offensive line? Were there because this has been maybe the most consistent camp battle is Matt Hennessy, Drew Dahlman, Drew Dahlman getting the work with the starters last week. But I think kind of both guys played fairly well. They weren't the issues at times when the offensive line did have issues. I don't think it was with either of the centers, but what did you see from those guys and then just any other offensive linemen stand out to you? The Dome had a couple of nice blitz pickups. One of the issues at Tennessee last year is just he seemed like a step behind when it came to like picking up blockers or splits in general. Like he always just seemed to be non the right position. And uh, with a, whether it's Mariota or Ritter, like they're going to need to be able to be on point with those pickups. So I think Dolman has the awareness. I didn't see too much as a run blocker. It just there wasn't like I don't nothing really stood out, but I, I, look, I don't think either of them have done any harm uh, so far this preseason. Maybe Hennessy could have done. You know, there was a couple of moments against Detroit he could have done better, but I think ultimately their decision might just be coming from the joint practices. Like, because I just don't see enough evidence from preseason where you could really determine who's the star. Of course, we still got the Jacksonville game coming up, but uh, that that I think is right up there with linebackers. One of those decisions where. I think only the coaching staff really knows. Like, we don't have enough evidence to really make a, a definitive judgment. Yeah, it, it definitely will be one of the decisions that they're going to use the totality of the evidence that they have. And honestly, if it's a coin flip, like it, it comes down to where are certain players strongest and how does that fit into what the Falcons want to do, right? Like if if Drew Dahlman is the better pass protector, but Matt Hennessy is the better, you know, zone blocker, then it kind of could come down to whether the Falcons want to run the ball or they want to pass the ball a little bit more this season. You know, like sometimes these decisions aren't made solely on this player is better. It's how are they better or how are they worse or where is their deficiency versus another guy? So 
I think that they are giving both players, it's admirable, honestly, like they're giving them the entirety of the preseason. They're evaluating everything because I do think these guys are pretty neck and neck. Um, And another position that's been very neck and neck, I think is the running back position. Tyler Algier got a lot of the run, um, no pun intended, with I think the first kind of couple of teams there in the first half, which is, is good to see after kind of the first preseason game when he mostly was relegated to the fourth quarter there. Uh, so I thought he played okay, but it was not as strong of a running game uh, as it was in week one. I think that that mostly had to do with kind of the play calling. Like, I don't think the Falcons were really running the ball as much as they did in that first game. But what did you see from the backs last night? I don't know. I thought I was a little more pressed with Alger just because I didn't think he was that agile. Like, you see him on film, <laughs> like he's this physical downhill runner, like he's this ferocious style. But I thought he got to the edge pretty quickly, and I liked, I thought he looked comfortable as a receiver because uh, I've interviewed him now multiple times. I talked to him after the game, and like, he's really embracing the aspects. Of course, with blitz pickups, that's something that all young running backs really have to apply themselves to because if, if you can't yeah. pick up if – you, if you're not a reliable uh, protector in the backfield, you're going to be on the bench. So he knows that. But as a receiver, like, I really like how they were trying to utilize him. They had an angle route. They used him in the slot. Like – you know, it was it was cool to see a feature like that, and uh, I just I don't know if just from watching film on him, I just didn't think he like I just thought he was bigger, like, and now it just seems <laughs> so. I was impressed. Yeah, I thought I thought he looked more impressed. I know he didn't have too many big runs, but you know his vision, just the one cutting, like I I, th- I thought he showed glimpses, and I think the more curious thing coming out of it because I always really liked Quadri Allison. I think. You give him mm-hmm. three to five touches, he might do something. He really didn't play much last night, and I, I was a little surprised by that because I thought he looked good against Detroit. So I wonder what the decision was behind that. Yeah, the Falcons have been kind of doing this rotation act with their running backs throughout most of of training camp. Um, maybe that was an extension of of this. You know, like maybe they wanted to he because Quadri got a lot of run in the very first preseason game. Maybe they expect him to get a lot of run in the third preseason game. So maybe they gave other guys like Caleb Huntley carried the ball 11, 11 times. He didn't do a ton in that first game. And maybe maybe Caleb Huntley is kind of like on the fence here. And so they wanted to before this 80 man cut down, which is happening later today as we record on a um, Tuesday, then maybe this was a little bit of a, hey, you got to play your way back on to the squad for next week or whatever. Um, so we'll see. That'll obviously give us a little bit more context, but looking ahead, the Falcons play in just what five more days. <laughs> like yeah. they turn around yeah. and, and they play on Saturday. They have two joint practices with Jacksonville in between now and then. But what do you want to see in the closing stretch of this kind of preseason for Atlanta here in 2022? What are the guys who you think you really want to get a good idea of on Saturday? Well, we spoke about linebacker running back center so i want to touch on that i i want to get more clarity with the receivers because there are about like five to six receivers that got signed this offseason some bigger names than others and i just feel like we haven't really gotten a good glimpse of them like i like we kind of know what zacchaeus is already but you know i saw brian edwards <laughs> running routes so i was like get him target and mariota did miss him on a couple i would you know i think edwards was open on a third down from what i recall i'd like to see more brian edwards more demar bird on tay like i just want to see these receivers get more opportunities to just get targeted because I just feel like, you know, seeing a lot of the running backs and tight ends get targeted for the most part. And, you know, Ritter's making the right throws and Mariota as well. But you know, just 
just getting more clarity on that because I, I really don't know. Who, like you would think Edwards and Zacchaeus are probably two and three. Look, Demar Bird, he's got a credible resume. Auden Tate had a couple flashes in Cincinnati. You know, uh, uh, Kadera Hodge, what everyone talks about. Okay, he's like the special teams guy, but Kadera Hodge has made some things happen. In, in yes, yeah. you have he, he deserves consideration as well. So I think I want to see more clarity at the receiver position because you know with Drake London likely being held out. These receivers, they should be getting all the reps possible. Yeah, that's a great point with the uh, the Drake London um, comment because obviously he's hopefully going to be back for all of the season, and the pecking order is just going to get a little bit harder for guys like Brian Edwards um, or you know Geronimo Allison or Demir Bird or these guys who are further down the pecking order. So now is their time to really make the case. But Jared Bernhardt's been making the hell oh, yeah. of a case uh, yeah. among all of these guys. He was somebody who. Given his background, uh, was a fan favorite because of his story coming in. And like, if if Hard Knocks was doing Atlanta, he'd one hundred percent be a Hard Knocks character. Oh, wow. Like they would they would just be filming him nonstop. And he has shown up. Game winning ta- touchdown catch in the first preseason game led the receivers with with three catches for uh, sixty seven yards in this one. I I figured he was a practice squad lock kind of when camp started just because of his athletic background and relative inexperience to the sport. That is kind of the profile that a lot of practice squad players kind of have is guys who you just want to develop and have a little more time with. Is it crazy to think now that he's kind of making a push for an actual 53 man roster spot? I just think it's too crowded. I said there's like, if there's too many noble names and it's too crowded, uh, I wish there was a place for him because I think he could do something, especially in that slot role. But I just think with, because I think they're going to utilize Drake London as a big slot, but then you also have Damari Bird who has slot experience. So I just, I just don't think there's room for him. And I don't know what he offers from a special team standpoint, but absolutely practice squad. I think so. But what have these big names done, Alan? That's what the Uh-oh. people want to know. I mean, they're not getting a lot of reps, though. Like, I, don't, I don't remember really seeing Damari Bird last night. I don't really remember seeing on Tate. So, yeah, he had he two catches for, for 32 yards, Demir Bird. Oh, oh, he did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the numbers sometimes, man. You know, I'm trying to keep track <laughs> of the numbers. Uh, but no, you're right. You're right. You make a valid point. It's just, I guess we got we got another week. Um, I wish we had access to these joint practices, but then again, I'm speaking for the choir here. I think everyone wishes they had access. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think you'd be a good fit, though, because you could tell, like, he knows where to get open in those zones. Like that's where I just kept recognizing last night. He just knew how to get the, to that spot, and you know that's a valuable skill set to have. You know, there's receivers that have made their careers off that. So why couldn't he do that? Yeah, no, he he absolutely did. And I mean, that's he was one of the key cogs in attacking that cover three zone. It it you can tell that he's very intent on his routes when he's running him. He looks like focused on all right foot here, make the cut here, but which is fine. You know, like everybody's. It's not maybe muscle memory yet. But the athleticism is there. I thought the broadcast made a great point. Um, his lacrosse background, he's used to running through guys who are trying to hit him with sticks. So, you know, press coverage, not really going to be an issue for him. Um, and I thought he navigated everything really well. And then he's proven he's got really good hands so far. So, I mean, that's that's what you want. Um, but before I let you go, Alan, anything else that stand out from you or for you uh, from the game that you just want to mention? I feel like we really cover it. I guess Anthony Ferkser. Uh, yeah, yeah. How about that? 
because uh, I think because we know Arthur Smith, he runs a lot of twelve twenty two personnel. By the way, did not expect to see Parker Hesse on the field that much. He was getting a lot of reps. Dude, they are oh. they are intense on giving him just every single opportunity that they can. Look, if it helps the run game, more power to it. But it was just crazy seeing Keith Smith in the backfield, like I formation, the Parker has these emotion. I'm like, oh man, this is, is this exact smash mouth? Is, is Mike Malarkey? I know Mike Malarkey made an appearance at training camp. Is Mike Malarkey <laughs> in the building? I'm going to go look for him. But uh, no, I do want to mention just because, as we know, with those personnel usage, like we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. So whether it's Ferkser, Pruitt, Parker Essie, like keep an eye out for that because as we know, Kyle Pitts, they're going to use a lot of them in the slot, they're going to utilize them outside, not so much inline. So uh, I'm curious what, you know, no one's really talking about. I'm just curious who's going to really put themselves out there like that second tight end because obviously we have a couple of players that used to play for Tennessee and the coaching staff seems to be enamored with Parker Hesse. So <laughs> not that because as we know, look, the running game needs all the help it can get because part of our identity. Yeah, and and honestly, we've yet to really even see Felipe Franks get run in preseason games as kind of the tight end that we've seen in, yeah, in practice. But I I don't know. It, it yeah. certainly looks better than he did at quarterback last night, which we don't have to get yeah. into. I don't want to pile on. But do you have something <laughs> in mind though when it comes to like what do you want to see from the third game? Do you have a position in mind? No, I, I mean I, I think tight end. I, your point is is really solid because it is what they really run a lot of uh, personnel wise. So yeah, having having some of the versatility there at that position. But you know, to me, it's, it's probably the, probably the linebackers because that is the one that I have probably the least read on um, in terms of how they're, which is probably intentional because again, I think that we're not really getting a full curtain view of how the Falcons defense is going to operate this season in the preseason. So I don't know if we're going to get a big answer, but that is something I'm fascinated by is just how, how do they use these linebackers at the disposal? What can they do? Because frankly, I still don't fully know every single person's skill set and how they can utilize that to the team's benefit on Sunday. So I don't know if we're going to get a ton of answers for, for that on Saturday, but that is the one that, that I'm really still curious to see. Yeah, well said, because you know, there are players that have starring experience. Like we're writing off Winkowski, but like he's played three, four years between Right. Here's in the Bears and and I think he's kind of like been an overachiever. Like a lot of people read him off early in his career. He just seems like this linebacker doesn't have a lot of range, but he started a lot of games and I think people at least respect him as a contributor. So I wouldn't rule him out yet, even though it seems like Evans Walker that's likely like you would see starting out, but Yeah. Like see, I, I could see I could see Kwiatkowski being on kind of a part of the main rotation or I could see him missing the 53 man roster altogether. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm, I need to know more about the linebacker spot. So that is, that is what I will be watching. But Alan, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to join me and uh, relay your experience uh, watching the jets and the Falcons live and in person and not getting rained on like so many people there who sang YMCA, but please let everybody know where they can uh, find what you're up to. Uh, Alan Sturk, that's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. Uh, I will be having, within probably the next few hours, will be published. I have interviews with Ritter, Pitts, Algier, and Zacchaeus. It was it was a full offensive <laughs> showing. Like, I was trying to get defensive players, but it was a bit hard navigating. That life's huge, man. Like, there's a lot of walking that'd be done. So, uh, <laughs> I got a few interviews, and so be on the lookout for that. And then uh, we're going to start ramping up the 
season coverage. You know, we have a couple of uh, long-term ideas we're we're working on, and obviously Falcolock Live, we both will be contributing to as well. So, uh, on times ahead. Heck yeah! Almost here. Almost here. Hey, week is almost here. But yep, great times uh, coming ahead on the Falcolock. So please check that out. Stay tuned on the podcast for the rest of the week um, to see what we've got coming next. But Alan, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on. Yes, thank you, Will. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode, which is presented by Bet Online. as always. Again, I will be up at Flowery Branch on Wednesday to observe the first of the two joint practices against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I will have my thoughts on that practice in the podcast later this week. Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons will join us for that one. And we will preview the Jags game as well as recap um, the week of joint practices and any news that comes out throughout the week. So please stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening. Let everybody know where they can find us. Let them know ahead of the season. We're going to have a lot of really cool, great content. Uh, just recorded a fantasy football oriented episode with a really, really special guest. So be on the lookout for that one dropping early next week before all of your fantasy drafts. Uh, So a lot of good stuff coming. Let them know where they can find it. And as always, guys, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.